There are some of our listeners that tune in first thing in the morning as they start their work day, as they warm that vehicle up, as they scrape the ice off, as they crack open that door and sit in that cold seat and wait for that engine to heat up. There are others that tune in towards the middle of the day, maybe over their lunch hour, as they wait for the microwave to finally stop spinning, and they sit down for lunch with that small meal, that leftovers that they had from the night before. Others tune in towards the evening, as the day begins to wind down. Regardless of when, how, or even why you find yourself under the sound of my voice today, I'd like to say thank you. As we approach ever so closely to Christmas, that most wonderful time of the year, there are many other avenues that your time could have taken today. And I'd like to thank you personally for your investment with us here on the Bible Tract Echoes radio broadcast. Yesterday, I began a story of a young man from all the way back in 1896. He was standing on a cold, bitterly frigid street corner in Chicago. You know how that slush and mud can mix together, can congeal and become so slippery and difficult to step through there. Peculiar only to Chicago, it seems like. I'm sure there are other cities with as miserable of a winter as Chicago has, but imagine 1896 without the modern conveniences that we have today, and imagine a broken young man, a man with nothing really to his name besides the clothes on his back, the weak old stubble on his face, no food to warm his belly, and we left off with this thought yesterday from a story called The Burglar's Christmas. He was miserable quite enough to want to be alone. Even the crowd that jostled by him annoyed him. He wanted to think about himself. He had avoided this final reckoning with himself for over a year now. He had laughed it off and drunk it off, but now, when all those artificial devices which are employed to turn our thoughts into other channels and shield us from ourselves had failed him, it must come. Hunger is a powerful incentive to introspection. It is a tragic hour, that hour when we are finally driven to reckon with ourselves, when every avenue of mental distraction has been cut off and our own life and its ineffaceable failures close us about us like the walls of that old torture chamber of inquisition tonight. As this man stood stranded in the streets of the city, his hour came. It was not the first time he had been hungry and desperate and alone. But always before, there had been some outlook, some chance ahead, some pleasure yet untasted that seemed worth the effort, some face that he fancied was or would be dear. But it was not so tonight. The unyielding conviction was upon him that he had failed in everything, had outlived everything. It had been near him for a long time, that pale specter. He had caught its shadow 
at the bottom of his alcohol glass many a time. At the head of his bed when he was sleepless at night, in the twilight shadows when some great sunset broke upon him, it had made a life hateful to him when he awoke in the morning before now, but now, it settled slowly over him like night. The endless northern nights that bid the sun a long farewell, it rose up before him like granite. From this brilliant city, with its glad bustle of yule tide, he was shut off as completely as though he were a creature of another species. His days seemed numbered and done, sealed over like the little coral cells at the bottom of the sea. Involuntarily, he drew that cold air through his lungs slowly, as though he were tasting it for the last time. He was yet but four and twenty, this man. He looked even younger. And he had a father, some place down east, who had been very proud of him once. Well, he had taken his life into his own hands, and this was what he had made of it. That was all there was to be said. He could remember the hopeful things they used to say about him at college in those old days, before he had cut away and begun to live by his own wits, and he found courage to smile at them now. They had read him wrongly. He knew now that he never had the essentials of success, only the superficial agility that is often mistaken for it. He was toe without the tinder, and he had burnt himself out at other people's fires. He had helped other people to make it win, but... He himself, he had never touched an enterprise that had not failed eventually. Or, if it survived his connection with it, it left him far behind. His last venture had been with some ten-cent specialty company, a little lower than all the others, that had gone to pieces in Buffalo. And he had worked his way to Chicago by boat. When the boat made its crew for the outward voyage, he was dispensed with as usual. He was used to that. The reason for it? Oh, there are so many reasons for failure. His was a very common one. As he stood there, in the wet, under the street light, he drew up his reckoning with the world and decided that it had treated him as well as he deserved. He had overdrawn his account once too often. There had been a day when he thought otherwise, when he had said he was unjustly handled, that his failure was merely the lack of proper adjustment between himself and other men, that some day he would be recognized and it would all come right. But he knew better than that now. And he was still just barely man enough to bear no grudge against anyone, man or woman. Tonight was his birthday, too. There seemed something particularly amusing in that. He turned up a limp little coat collar to try to keep a little of the wet chill from his throat and instinctively began to remember all the birthday parties he used to have. He was so cold and empty that his mind seemed unable to grapple with any serious question, 
He kept thinking about gingerbread and frosted cakes like a child. He could remember the splendid birthday parties his mother used to give him when all the other little boys on the block came in their Sunday clothes and creaking shoes with their ears still red from their mother's towel and the pink and white birthday cake and the stuffed olives and all the dishes of which he had been particularly fond and how he would eat and eat and eat and then go to bed and dream of Santa Claus. In the morning, he would awaken and eat again until by night the family doctor arrived with his castor oil and poor William used to dolefully say that it was altogether too much to have your birthday and Christmas all at once. He could remember, too, the royal birthday suppers he had given at college, and the stag dinners, the toasts and the music, the good fellows who had wished him happiness, and really meant what they had said. Since then, there were other birthday suppers that he could not remember quite so clearly. The memory of them was heavy and flat, like cigarette smoke that's been shut up in a room all night, like champagne that's been a day opened, a song that has been too often sung, an acute sensation that has been overstrained. They seemed tawdry, garish, discordant to him now. He rather wished he could forget them altogether. Whichever way his mind now turned, there was one thought that it could not escape, and that was the idea of food. He had caught the scent of a cigar suddenly and felt a sharp pain in the pit of his abdomen and a sudden moisture in his mouth. His cold hands clenched angrily, and for a moment he felt that bitter hatred of wealth, of ease, of everything that is well-fed and well-housed, that hate that is common to starving men. At any rate, he had a right to eat. He had demanded great things from the world once, fame and wealth and admiration. Now it was simply bread, and he would have it. He looked about him quickly, felt the blood begin to stir in his veins. In all his straits, he had never stolen anything. His tastes were above even that. But tonight there would be no tomorrow. He was amused for a moment at the way in which the idea excited him. Was it possible that there was yet one more experience that would distract him? One thing that had power to ex excite his jaded interest? Good. He had failed at everything else, and now he would see what his chances would be as a common thief. It would be faintly amusing to watch the beautiful consistency of his destiny work itself out even in that role. It would be interesting to add another study to his gallery of futile attempts, and then label them all the failure as a journalist, the failure as a lecturer, the failure as a businessman, the failure as a thief, and so on, like the titles under the pictures of the Dance of Death. A girl hastened by him with her arms full of packages, she walked quickly and nervously, keeping well within the shadow, as if she were not accustomed to carrying bundles and did not care to meet any of her friends. As she crossed that muddy, slushy street, she made an effort to lift her skirt just a little, and as she did so, one of the packages slipped unnoticed from beneath her arm. He caught it up quickly and overtook her. "'Excuse me, but I, I think you dropped something.' She started. 
Oh, oh, yes, thank you. I would rather have lost anything than that. The young man turned angrily upon himself. The package must have contained something of value. Why had he not kept it? Was this the sort of thief he would make? He ground his teeth together. There is nothing more maddening than to have morally consented to crime and then lack the nerve to carry it out. A carriage drove up to the house before which he stood. And that is where we pause once again today. I'm going to ask you to join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this story called A Burglar's Christmas. I hope that maybe this topic has prompted some introspection on your part. Have a great day. For his glory, God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample packet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 188, Bloomington, Illinois, 61702. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him. <music>